Terry Jones had his way, there would be no David Bowie and no goddamn musical numbers in Jim Henson's 1986 follow-up film to 1982's The Dark Crystal. But wait a minute. Why would Monty Python member and children's book author Terry Jones have any say in Jim Henson's movie? Well, according to the opening credits of that movie, Jones wrote the screenplay, and the credits are somewhat accurate. In 1982, Jim Henson and collaborator Brian Froud had just finished with The Dark Crystal and were eager to do another collaboration, but one with a much lighter tone. Quote, we wanted to do a lighter weight picture with more of a sense of comedy, since Dark Crystal got kind of heavy, heavier than we had intended. Now, I wanted to do a film with the characters having more personality and interacting more, said Henson. Froud suggested that the movie be based around goblins, and he had an image of a baby surrounded by goblins in his head that served as the seed for the story. The seed was brought to Canadian children's author Dennis Lee, who was entreated to write a novella on which a script could be based. This novella was then brought to Terry Jones by Henson, whose daughter had just read Jones's Eric the Viking book and suggested that the author be the screenwriter. Jones was meant to adapt the novella into a script, but he, quote, didn't really get on with it and threw it away. Quote, I discarded it and sat down with Brian Froud's drawings and sifted through them and found the ones that I really liked and started creating the story from them, said Jones. The script Jones put together earned him a title in the opening credits of the final film, but the actual script used for the film went through about 25 rewrites, passing through the hands of Jim Henson, George Lucas, Laura Phillips, and Elena May, all of whose writing contributions are uncredited in the final product. Unsurprisingly, Jones felt the final version didn't reflect his vision. I didn't feel it was very much mine. I always felt it fell between two stories. Jim wanted it to be one thing, and I wanted it to be about something else, said Jones. Jones considered the increased presence of the main antagonist in later versions of the script, along with musical numbers, to be a step in the wrong direction. These decisions were likely made when Bowie signed on to the film, but it's possible Jones could have brought the film closer to his own vision if he had known who was giving him notes. When Bowie received an early version of the script, he considered withdrawing from the project entirely, as he was hoping for a more humorous film than what was presented on the page. Henson asked Jones to, quote, do a bit more in regards to the comedy, and Jones, ever the funny man, complied. Jones may have felt vindicated after the initial release of the film, which only managed to gross half of its $25 million budget in the U.S. The film did moderately well worldwide, helping to earn back its budget and turn a profit, but the lackluster performance in the U.S., combined with mixed reviews from critics, made it seem as though the movie was made to be forgotten. When the film was released on home video, it experienced a second life, one that would boost it to the cult classic status it enjoys today. Perhaps it was just a cheap gift to pick up for the kids, or maybe it just had the perfect time slot on the TV stations, but people were stumbling upon this motion picture oddity and falling in love. Quote, Every Christmas, a new flock of children comes up to me and says, Oh, you're the one who's in Labyrinth, said Bowie. That's right, we're talking Jim Henson's Labyrinth, starring Jennifer Connelly and David Bowie. On Bowie Me. TriStar Pictures announces the collaboration of three extraordinary talents. Jim Henson, creator of The Muppets and Dark Crystal. Oh! Where you go with a head like that? Hmm? George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars saga. One of the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. <laughs> That's right, it's Bowie Me, the only podcast that talks about David Bowie and David Bowie-related things to find out who reminds me of the babe. I'm your host, as always, the snake, joined by my goblin co-host. What babe? The babe with the power. Oh, damn. Um, hey, I'm here too. Oh, Alex! That's my goblin voice. <laughs> That's a great goblin voice. Uh, yeah. That's my Muppet voice. Alex, how are you doing? How is life as a Muppet? 
How's life as a Muppet? Uh, it's good. It's good. Uh, it's a pain in the ass. Uh, I'm a puppet and there's a hand in my butt. But depending on the puppet. True, depending on the puppet. Because if you need like six guys to to pilot these things. Yeah. I don't think there's any hands up the ass of the, of the fire gang. Of the fire gang? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on with the fire gang. They are something else, man. <laughs> Um, this movie, in a lot of ways, is something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. It's if I to borrow the tagline, it's kind of like the imagination of Jim Henson, the wizardry of George Lucas, and the excitement of David Bowie. Wow, you know what? That's exactly what this movie is. It really is. Um, Alex, we're talking about Labyrinth. We are we're talking about a film. It's it's a little bit of movie, a little movie twist at the end of Bowie Me here. Yep. Alex, you big Labyrinth we fan. We like to do it. I am. I am a fan of Labyrinth. Um, you introduced me to it originally. Actually, interesting. That is true. But that was not the first time I heard of the movie. Mm. And I, 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 one time, some family friends. Right. Or relatives, maybe. Uh, uh, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> we're, we're at, this was many, many years ago, uh, you know, sure. over for family dinner. Um, and. They told us about the scene in Labyrinth yes. with the doors, where, where the doors were, you know, there's like two guards to the door, and one always lies, yes. and one always tells the truth. And they told us that riddle, and we were trying to figure it out, and we never figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they said, it's from a movie called Labyrinth, and I had no, that was all I, I knew about it. So I assumed it was like a drama, because right. there's like this intense, like, puzzle to solve and i thought maybe it like actually centered around that rather than just being like one scene of many many yeah (laughs) but like that that scene for me i don't know i i was always i thought about it a lot when i was very young and had no idea what the movie was like and then you showed me the movie or we talked about the movie and watched it eventually and it was like oh it's it's just a nothing It's yeah, like it's, hardly it's anything just in the one movie. One gag, yeah, in a series of gags, and like it it's is. also totally unclear as to whether or not it's actually she actually does it correctly. Correctly, yeah, because she's like, yeah, I did it. I feel great, and then like, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk and more about the movie shit but that's, immediately afterwards. Yeah, but like that's that's the one part of the movie that I knew about going in, but I didn't realize it was like puppets that were cards, kind of like night guys. Yeah, they're like two guys hiding behind a shield. Yeah, behind a shield, right. Um, anyway, so that was my first introduction to the movie, which really wasn't an introduction at all. Um, right, and but then, you build up this image in your head. And yeah, is, exactly. And it's like see. a prison. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I thought yeah, someone was trying to get out of prison. Like, okay, I don't remember why. Something horrific. Yeah, there's, there's mind-bending riddles. You're like, this is like a heavy piece of film. And it's yeah. like mostly just Muppets just doing gags. Mostly Muppets getting like hit by rocks is like a solid portion yeah, of this film. Yeah, there's a, a lot of rocks and like slapstick humor and like by getting hit, hitting stuff. Yeah. Um, but there's a solid like 10 minutes dedicated to just farts. They're like, hey, it's. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> this I mean, that, that gets laughs, man. Fucking um, killed in this house. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, it's. Yeah, but you were you were the one who originally introduced the movie to me through um the song Magic Dance. Yeah. Um and then Classic. we watched we watched it eventually. Um and yeah, that's that's my history with this movie. And I know we talked about this last week a bit. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, you you were saying that 
it was a movie that you had watched on like a sick day. Was it on TV or did you have a, a VHS? I, it was tape on or? TV because we didn't have it on VHS, and it was so it was all. Or if we did, it was like we had recorded it. And oh, I right. maybe didn't remember what VHS it was on, but like it <laughs> was kind of like pen. a rare treat. And then I just, I remember certain films that came on and like my parents were like, hey, watch this. I was like, oh, this is like, I felt like I was getting let into something like cool, some piece of culture. And yeah, this is like, I mean, this is a great kids movie. I think it's like yeah. a visual splendor. Um, you got fun songs in there and, and fart jokes. Like what else do you need? <laughs> what else do you need? I, mean, I yeah. think, like, in my head, it is one of the, like, perfect, like, sick day movies where you just, like, you know, you're laying on the couch, you got a bucket in front of you in case you puke and a bunch <laughs> of Kleenex, and you're just like, all right, let's 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 go to town here. A bunch of Kleenex, not for jacking off, but for blowing your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. I had to clarify. Hey, well, mm, no, never mind. Um, Fucking Labyrinth, Alex, but I know you're also a big Dark Crystal guy. I, I do like Dark Crystal as well. Um movie from like a similar time period also from jim henson company i guess that's the other significant thing about this movie is there's a lot of puppets in it a lot of puppets even big big muppet energy do people Um, get upset are there like real jim henson heads who are like no the muppets are kermit and the gang these are jim henson puppets i mean maybe (laughs) i honestly don't know i just if it's a jim henson puppet i call it a muppet even if it's a a teenage ninja turtle Suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What well, some of the some of the guys in this one are suits? Yeah, that's true. I was, sh- I, I was With, shocked to discover that yeah. Ludo is a suit, which I guess makes sense because like it's massive. It's mad. Yeah, it. The original version of that suit weighed a hundred pounds. Whew. They managed to get it down to seventy five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seeing like if you look at like the making of, because uh, there was a fairly like a couple years ago, um, a Dark Crystal series on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, and you see like saw some like making of stuff and they showed the puppets and how they did that and yeah it's like a combination of like people in suits and like operators moving eyes and stuff and yeah they're yeah. complicated they're complicated cool. the immense amount of work that goes like they even talk about the one of the one of the larger characters hoggle of larger yeah. in terms of role small in terms of body is a man wearing a mask and then you've got like I think two or three guys operating that mask, so like the head portion, mm-hmm. and then another guy providing the voice. <laughs> so it's a yeah, four-man operation for this one character, and they talk <clears throat> about it, and they're like it was just fucking crazy. Like we had to, <laughs> we had to all work together to make this human in a mask look alive, and it's like it's just so much work. And it's so like niche as well. Like mm-hmm. no one's doing that anymore. <laughs> No, that's not, like you just like it'd be like okay, we're either gonna do makeup or we're gonna do CGI. Like that's mm-hmm. our options. Nobody's like we're gonna get advanced puppetry. That said, Jim Henson's Creature Shop still does get work, but like that's practical true. effects true. are not nearly on the level. Like people are not doing it to the degree they do it in this film and the the Dark Crystal as well. Yeah, as soon as it gets this complicated, they're like computer, computer animate it. <laughs> this is yeah, not worth it. it. Get not one worth it. Person. We'll underpay a team of fucking yeah, people exactly. to just do this. But here they're like, no, we gotta get we gotta get the fucking pros in here. We need we need Frank Oz. We need Kevin Nash. We need yeah. the other guys. Yeah, so like in a way, it's not completely gone, but it's a bit of a lost art, you know? That mm-hmm. sort of stuff. You don't get Although it's like just this. maybe just more niche, I guess. And I would say both the Dark Crystal and Labyrinth have a very charming aesthetic to them, which I guess is partially thanks to the 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 artistic vision of this Brian Froud character. Yeah, Brian Froud. It's a big part of that. 
Um, but just like even the texture yeah. on these puppets and the just the it's this movie is a visual delight. <laughs> the plot is cool. thin, sure, but visually it's a spectacle, and just seeing the puppets move and all that shit is. Guess I feel like I mean ticking. maybe it's definitely like oriented towards a younger audience probably oh for but, sure i mean the plot i think is like reasonably solid if a little vague like there's things we were even talking before like wait is that her mom or her stepmom like there's mm-hmm. one part where she refers to herself as an evil stepmother but is that just a joke yeah is that simply a reference to evil stepmothers or because she is also a stepmother Turns yeah out she's also a stepmother. seems like she's her stepmother but it's not really necessarily stated explicitly but there's like like you mentioned like the even like the detail in the puppets and the like aesthetic there mm-hmm. the other like the set of her room is pretty dense as well because it has a lot of stuff in the background that you can see yes um, should we talk about the plot more before we talk about such detail um or? i guess yeah break the plot down so there's a young girl um she's a sort of pubescent girl like you said it's it's maybe aimed at at children this sort of pubescent era i think there's i think there's a little something for everyone in this film especially yeah. with david bowie's big fart fat jokes. hog on display fart jokes <laughs> um but yeah, she is. We start with her, like uh, you know, she's playing make believe out in the out out in England. Then she's got to run all the way to fucking New Jersey in time for dinner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then she's tasked with babysitting her baby brother. Uh, she gives up the baby brother to goblins, then realizes that oops, that's a bad idea. That she then has to quest through the labyrinth to get the brother back. Yeah, she says the words. Yeah, she says the magic words. So the magic words. Like you said there's a lot of like not explaining things here but i would say that is a strength of this movie yeah absolutely as we don't fucking waste time like we don't know why goblins work in this way or how they why they're waiting around for her specifically it doesn't fucking matter yeah it's just like, i mean this is, hey, it's 101 minutes long you know yeah we're cooking yeah. we're cooking through stuff here we got so many set pieces to go through we got to get to this creepy old lady with all the shit on her back we gotta fucking do the guy with the bird hat come on <laughs> Come on, we got no time to fucking bog ourselves down with backstory. So I think that is a great feature of this film. But that's your basic setup. Baby brother, go bye bye. Yeah, she she, go she find voluntarily it. gives up her baby brother, half brother, I guess. Um, yes, half brother. Toby to Froud, a uh, Toby Froud rather plays Toby the baby. So the 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 baby of Brian Froud, with Brian Froud, the guy who came up with this goblin baby idea. Yeah, now. This bare bones plot line drew the ire of none other than Maurice Sendak. Whom? Um, where the wild things are. Oh. And how, other books. How so? How so? Well, he has a book called, I should have fucking wrote the name down. Um, uh, Outside Over There is the name of the book. I did write it down. I'm very smart. Okay. Wherein a nine-year-old's baby sister is abducted by goblins. I see. That's very similar. Yes. Um, now, when I was reading the Wikipedia page, Brian Froud said that goblins classically steal babies. He's like, that, it was kind of an indirect quote. It didn't have that, but that seems to be part of the goblin mythos is stealing babies. Nonetheless, a sibling being stolen, they said the Sendak sued over this. And then what the, the eventual settlement was like, Hansen put in something in the, the closing credits that says like, Jim Henson acknowledges and thanks the works of Maurice Sendak. Um, who, who helped inspire this. Now, this I'll say about the film, we talked about her bedroom, rich with uh, rich with just things to look at. Mm-hmm. Lays out pretty much all the inspirations of the film, and indeed, many of the characters will meet along the way. Pretty, yep. pretty bare. You see it all yeah. in this one shot. 
So I, I have feelings about this similar to the feelings I have about uh, the Bob Dylan reference in uh, Only Want to Be With You. It's like, yeah, it's it's a direct pull from the source, but also it is like pretty directly pointed to as like, hey, this is referential material. So I don't know if Maurice Sendak should be that mad. I'm glad he got his credit, though. I think that's fair yeah. enough. But. And like very much transformative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... And especially all the fucking rewrites this thing went through, it's like it, it belongs to nobody at this point, Maurice Sendak. It, yeah, exactly. it belongs to the Muppets. There's a little George Lucas in there, a little Terry Jones, and a little bit of everyone else. Yeah. Um, so, we, yeah, we open this film up uh, in, in Wickham, Wickham Park, mm-hmm. in, in England. And so that, that our, first bit was actually filmed somewhere else entirely. Yes. Yeah, I guess so that makes sense because it does feel very different. And then, like, the clock chimes seven or whatever. Yeah, and she hauls ass back. And it's like, and it's even through, like, like four different parts of New York State that she runs <laughs> through neighborhoods. So they had to film that. It's like, well, why? She, like, runs through the shot and then they drive somewhere new and she runs through Yeah, the shot. they're like, we got to drive an hour upstate now run through here. They're like, what? Yeah, why would they do that? I guess maybe is it just to make it feel like she's got further to go? Like, yeah, I guess to, like, because you get different sort of areas. It's like, okay, it looks like she's going across like a highway here, back through some some shop streets or whatever, up over, yeah, to give it a little more of a sense of adventure, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But she's reading from this book while she's at the park um, with her dog, Merlin, and she's, she's trying to remember this fucking line, and she can't remember the line that she says. She's like, my kingdom's great, and um, oh, shit. And then, yeah, the clock strikes seven. She's like, oh, fuck, it's babysitting night. She hauls ass back with Merlin. It starts raining. She says it's not fair. She tries to get in. Her stepmom's like, mm, you're late. The dog can't come inside. Yep, because it's wet. Dog can't come inside. She's complaining. She runs up to her room. It's not like they're leaving the dog out. The, the, the dog gets the garage. It seems like a pretty yeah. sweet deal. Still gets to go under a roof. That's nice. Yeah. Um, like spacious. It's not like it's like a little dog house. He has to yeah, see, exactly. he's got room to move around. Be okay. Mm-hmm. But that's but, the big thing. She runs yeah. up to her room. She's like, you never respect my time. And she's like, oh, if you're on a date, that would be great. You should be on dates at your age. Yeah, um, which I guess is a reference to the, like, the first part of like, the sort of growing up narrative because she is yeah. i mean 16 it's not that old but maybe there's this idea that at 16 you shouldn't be running around with these like fantasy things you should be growing up and trying to be an adult and going on dates yeah. and stuff yeah there is something about watching this movie in our current era where the that line is a little less clear of when or if ever you need to put down anything childish or fantastic. Yeah. But, but yeah, idea. like clearly here it's like, and this movie like, does have that sort of idea of like growing up and in some ways letting go of the past. Yeah. It's about, it's of. not as, as strict. It's like, it eventually mm-hmm. like the, it lands on moderation. It's like, yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, sometimes and it's like, okay. if you it's need like, your okay. friends, it's okay. Well, that's, it's okay. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's nice. Felt good watching it. I was like, oh, that's a pretty feel-good message. I think mm-hmm. it's nice, you know, that she doesn't have to, like, throw Hoggle into the fire or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm done with this. I renounce you. <laughs> oh, why is Hoggle always on fire? Oh. Oh, oh Hoggle. <laughs> um, 
but yes, yeah, so she's uh, home alone with the baby. The baby's crying. She's getting upset. And yeah. she says the words. She says the wrong words at first. And the yeah, goblins are like, yeah, we got a good scene here. We got a good build here. First, yeah. we get the pan. So we see like the fire gang doll. We see, oh, yeah. I, we apparently see Ludo somewhere. Um, yeah, I don't know I exactly. Really I know there's like a shot. sculpture of Jareth on her desk. Yeah, on her desk. Plus the photo we talked about. I don't Jareth know the Goblin King, episode. David Bowie's character. Not sure if we David said that. David Bowie's character. Yeah, because it's, it's, yeah. Even his name is like, comes up rarely. There's a line where he's like, I'm going to call you Jareth. And I'm like, do we know that that's his name yet? Because <laughs> like, yeah. he's going to call the baby it. And it's. But there's that, we got the, so the books, there's a lot of books, so you get where the wild things are in that shot. You get mm. the Wizard of Oz, there's uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, uh, and a couple other ones, and the book end is Hoggle. Mm. And then we see an actual, like, the labyrinth game, that little little metal ball one where you move it through the maze oh, and, yeah, yeah. and shit in it. A lot of it is navigating that. Um, there's the MC Escher painting yeah, on her wall relativity. yeah which comes up in our in our climax so it's it's quite a good move like you said the the jareth model on her her uh her stand her her vanity it's everything the whole fucking movie's in this yeah. shot they just spoiled the whole fucking thing it's all right there you don't need to watch the rest of it if you pay attention in this scene that's right you can see sir didymus there too he's around yeah and if they had smell a vision bug of eternal oh. stench Bog of Eternal Stench. Yeah, is that supposed to be like puberty or like her armpits? They're just like getting stinky in general. Everything is stinky all of a sudden. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah, know. maybe. I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's coming of age in this. But yeah, so she does that. Baby's crying, but her doll is missing. This is a key point. Lancelot. Lancelot. One of her. She seems to have like stuffed bears or stuffed animals for like all the, I think, Knights of the Round Table. Like up on her wall. Yeah, because she's got like a, a display unit. For yeah. Them. These like kind of nice little shelves. And she's like, where's Lancelot? And sure enough, Lancelot's in with Toby. Toby couldn't have taken it. Must have been her parents. Yeah, someone is in a room. She hates it when they do that. She screams out. Um, Really, you can get away with a lot with an emotional, like, teen in terms of, like, weird, like, very expositional dialogue that just comes off as angry. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, it's like, it's very, like, dramatic scene. Yeah, you're like, okay, that checks out. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she comes in a great scene with the with like we get the lightning. We should have talked about this owl at the start. Alex. The owl's a big. Oh, there is an owl. It starts with like an owl. <laughs> yeah, CGI. CGI owl. Owl. Did you notice it was CGI? It looks so real. It looks so real. It's apparently like the first example of them using CGI to like generate something like quote unquote realistic in a film. Well, it shows. <laughs> yeah. But fuck, did they love it, Alex? And that opening credits, they're like, check it out. Not only that, we made a reflection of the owl. Oh, yeah. We did two owls. Two owls, and one of them's a little blurrier? You're like, this is crazy. (laughs) It's cutting edge. People were probably running out of the theater. (laughs) Yeah. Complaining to like, there's an owl in the theater. Threw up, and they were like, (laughs) wow, I'm too scared by the owl. What are you doing (laughs) letting owls into the theater? Into the theater. owls in the theater. (laughs) Into the cinema. But yeah, that owl comes up again and again. Because apparently, like according to Wikipedia, the owl is the Goblin King, is Jareth. Yeah, you should get that right at the end when they like do their fight thing and he like turns back into the owl. Right. Okay. Yeah, I must have missed that this watch around. But yeah, she's taking care of the baby and she's like fucking sick of taking care of babies. And then we start getting cuts to this room full of greasy ass Muppets. Yeah. 
They're great. We love these guys. Yep, the goblins. And they're like, say the words. Say mm-hmm. the words. And she's like saying basically like a poem. Or, you know, yeah. it's like it's like very poetic. And she's like, does it rhyme? I don't remember what she says. Well, all she has to say is, I wish the goblins would come and take you away right now. Yeah. But she fucks up. And then she she does because she doesn't say I wish, and then but then she, she says yeah. I wish I knew what to say, which like in this we we already learned the logic of wishes just in this one tight scene because mm-hmm. then she gains that knowledge because one of the goblins says it, and then she says it. But all yeah, but she says like, like very attention. casually. She's like, I wish the goblins would come and take you away. And then yeah. like turns around and, and like, is like, boom, right now, right now. <laughs> turns the light Best- off, and they're like, oh. Oh, best part, though, is the big fucking dumb one. It's like, did she see you? <laughs> well, she's kind of like hemming and on back and forth. I'm like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Guy. Like, shut up, big guy. Uh, but yeah, so she says this. She walks out the door. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, the baby's not crying anymore. She, Yeah, she. there's like, the baby stops crying. You hear a van pull up. And, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but, and she comes back into the room. Baby, there's not, a, there is something in the in the crib. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a baby. it's a freaky little goblin. And, and yeah, there's kind of goblins running around the room and like popping out and hiding. Yeah. As laughing. she looks at them and they're like little giggles and, and, and scuffle sounds. Yeah. And then like I think the, the owl is like scratching at the window and eventually like breaks it open. Oh, yeah. And sure enough, David Bowie enters the scene. David Bowie with a man behind him. With a man behind him. <laughs> So we get a trick that is very impressive, but only made more impressive by the fact that the guy had to do it without seeing anything. Yeah. So Which he does is contact, contact juggling. juggling. Yes. Um, this man's name, I've forgotten to write. I have it written down. I just have so many fucking notes on this. <laughs> that, let me see. The fact that it's, he's blind. He's, he's a blind juggler. Um, Michael Motion Moskin, M-O-S-C-H-E-N. Okay. It's credited with contact juggling, which he performs blind. So he's literally, that's why Dave, that's part of the reason Dave Bowie's got this big fucking cape. So a guy could just like crouch behind him. Yeah. And pretend to be his arms. (laughs) And it's convincing. Like they seem, they look like they're in the right spot for arms to be. Yeah. And I'm even like watching like Bowie's torso move as the guy's doing the fucking tricks. And it looks like like it's move. He's moving his body with it. It's very impressive. Yeah. It's very impressive. And it's like, it's pretty cool. He starts with one hand. He's kind of flipping around. And then he fucking moves it to the other hand. Yeah. He's blind. He's blind, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> he's reaching around a guy. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that, that can't be how he's used to doing it. No. So, impressive, impressive stuff in this scene. And yeah. Like, we're barely even at the puppet part yet. I know. We, yeah, we've barely even gotten to puppetry. There's so many, like, like truly, genuinely impressive practical effects here and this is this is just the tip of the iceberg folks um and this is apparently this is my understanding of the big big david bowie hog is that because they had these scenes and they would have to do several takes of it david bowie didn't want uh michael uh to to like be overwhelmed by by bowie's bo you know get sweaty on the (laughs) stage and all that so he put a sack of like like potpourri basically like some herbs down his, his tights this i 
haven't looked up this story in years, so it could be it could be fiction. I've heard every sort of story. It's like Dave Boy wanted his dick to look bigger. It's just like eh, everybody thought it was pretty funny, right? <laughs> Big hog, and so he puts it down his pants to like to make it an easier experience for for Michael Motion here, so that there's there's some some nice sense in the air. And that's why he's got a big dick because of this scene. <laughs> I, so my understanding is that he put it there, and then like Jim Henson's like, "Hey, that's pretty funny. Let's let's have that just be part of the costume. Let's keep that in there." Yeah, that's yeah. It's a funny story, and you can <clears> see <throat> it. You can see it. You can see the hog. Yep. Um, what happens next, though, Alex? He we do such a smooth transition from like this movie wastes no fucking time. No, because like they're talking to each other and they're like, now turn around. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're in a boom, completely look out different the window place. And then flip back. Now we're in Labyrinth. It's like, yeah, we're in Labyrinth outside. Though. And he's like, you have 13 hours to save Toby or I'm turning him into a goblin forever. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Sets up the premise because she's like, no, I didn't mean it. He's like, oh, you didn't mean it. That's too bad. She's like, this isn't fair. And that's going to come up a couple times. Yeah, she says this isn't fair a few times. Learn about life and how unfair it is. Yeah, um, there's, there are parts of this where I'm like, is she supposed to learn that theft is okay? Is that what, <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're learning here? It's like yeah. we're learning that you can strong arm weaker people to help you. What? It, <laughs> that's the lesson here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he winds up this clock via magic, and then he yeah. fucking disappears. It's a 13 hour mm-hmm. clock, by the way. Yeah, that's that's fucking good. That's just like lots of good visual stuff. Ugh. Great. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, he disappears. She needs to find her way through the labyrinth. She's 13 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, we should talk about this point. It's come up, but we've actually heard a taste of both of the soundtrack workers at this point. Because the, the right. intro theme includes David Bowie's track, Underground, but it's composed by Trevor Jones. Right. Who's worked on a lot of things. Uh, Dark Crystal, Excalibur, Last of the Mohicans. Excalibur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's doing a lot of synth stuff here, which is apparently, this is like an unusual step for him. He kind of moved into doing like aggressive synth here and it works great. I think, I think there's some, some great, like, like energy to this punchy and you get, still get a little bit of fantasy in the mix there. What do you, what do you think of the soundtrack, Alex? I mean, it fits, you know, it's very like eighties fantasy and it's a cool mm-hmm. sound. <laughs> that I don't know. It, it sounds very unique to me, but maybe I didn't watch enough movies from this era. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but it, it does, it does stand out as much as it is, as it is distinctly eighties. It does also feel distinctly labyrinth to me. I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot, like the past week, mm-hmm. just kind of going back and forth on the Bowie and, and this, and it's like, ah, it's, it's got its own distinct quality. And I think it's, it sounds pretty tight. Yeah, in it's my cool opinion. sound. So we enter the labyrinth, this magical, mystical place. What's the first thing we see? Some little freak taking a piss. Little freak taking a piss. <laughs> A dwarf. Hoggle. Yeah. Hoggle. Yeah. Hoggle. 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 Uh, everyone gets his name wrong all the time, and he corrects them. Um, yeah. He is a more or less constant companion throughout. Um, he's, we, we meet him. He's <laughs> yeah, killing pixies. More or, less. <laughs> more or less. Yeah, that's true. I guess he's, he's the first one we meet, but then he disappears a lot. Yeah, he's very that. That's like his character arc is like him learning to be reliable and like have friends. Yeah, um, and he's yeah he's killing pixies. Jennifer Connelly, Sarah tries to like save one, but then it bites her, and he's like, "Well, what do you think was going to happen?" Yeah, 
I thought fairies did things like grant wishes. Shows what you know. <laughs> so she doesn't know. She's learning about life. Um, and then eventually she asks for his help. And, oh, yeah, she's trying to find a way into the labyrinth. And he's like, well, you got to know where to look. You got to ask the right questions. You got to ask the right questions. Exactly. And she says, I think she just says, how do I get into the labyrinth? <laughs> Yeah, she's, and then he's like, oh, she, she figured he'd get, like, hoggle not good with riddles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Couldn't figure out a way to kind of keep her out. Because that's it, as we find out, is, like, his actual job out there. Right. Is he's meant to, like, divert Sarah. Sarah, I don't know if we actually named Je- Jennifer Connell's character. It's Sarah. Yeah. This is Sarah, and he's supposed to keep her away from the center of the labyrinth. But he fails at that, because he's a good guy. He's a little ugly motherfucker, but he's a good guy. Yeah. He just wants... He just wants friends. He's got he's got the friendship arc, you know. He becomes yeah, he's reliable. Got the friendship arc. Good old reliable hog. I like him. I like Hoggle. He's yeah. He's a little fantasy um, freak. He's such a good introduction to this world. I think absolutely. Um, and also, what he does, intro- good introduction to the world because um, we're, we've see the wall. There's nothing there, and eventually. He's, she's asked him how to get in, and he says, "There's an entrance, basically over there." And then you look back at the wall, and there's a big gate. Yeah, that wasn't like, there before. Miss that. So now we know. Yeah, you things aren't always the, as they the, seem. The trickiness, yeah, in that's, labyrinth that's a big land. One. Every character seems to drop some kind of like life lesson, moral. Yeah, Hoggle starting with you gotta ask the right questions, and then we come to the fucking caterpillar worm next. Yeah, worm. the caterpillar. Um, we do a lot of running here first though, because we come in. And yeah, it's just like it's just a straight line either way, and she's like, well. Guess I'll start running. And we hit some fucking groovy bass. (laughs) Yep. Music is playing. She's running. Eventually she gets a bit tired. And then there's a a worm that she talks to who invites her in for something. For tea. Hello. Hello. Did you say hello? Oh, I said hello, but it's close enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Our, um heavily accented worm who's smoking no i made that up i don't you made that up. there the, the worm's very cozy as a character cozy worm they're like come on meet my wife like have a cup of tea right and she's like there's no fucking way through this labyrinth dude she's like how do i just keeps going he's like no nah, look just he's like look over there and this is um, maybe one of the best practical effects because it's just an optical illusion yeah and it gets me every time because I like I know the trick and I'm still. But like, you can't see it because it, it's <laughs> like a flat it. wall. And she just like walks towards the flat wall and then eventually she's like, "Oh, cool, thanks." And then she walks off to the side and eventually get you know is behind another wall. And is behind another wall. And you like because you, you're looking at it and it doesn't look like she's doing anything. And you're like, okay, so they like don't have a budget to do like a fake wall or something <laughs> or like, but it's just like perfect practical effects like optical is just like boop because you see go you're like oh shit there was actually a break in the wall that's actually two walls yeah they just lined it up so well that you couldn't see yeah it's it's so cool i'm i'm endlessly impressed by that so that's her going through there do we then cut from that does magic dance already jump in this early it's pretty early on yeah i like i was shocked and it's crazy too because, like, in Magic Dance, we, we come to the center of the labyrinth, which is something Terry Jones didn't want to happen. He's like, that should just be at the end of the film, so we have, like, a hook. But here we see, right. like, like Jareth's towering chamber here with all the boys. They're fighting over sausage links and, and generally being rowdy. Oh, you and, know, the other thing is, yeah. is um, 
Is that before the worm? No. Okay. Because when the worm, she's like, he's, oh. she's like about to run off, and the worm's like, oh, don't go that way. Never go that right. way. And she's like, oh, thanks. It runs the other way. And he's like, that way is the center of the labyrinth. Yeah. He's going like, straight to the center of the labyrinth. You're like, oh, fuck. So she's going That's, the wrong way. She's going the wrong way. Great bit. Yeah. And then we cut to this with, with Bowie and his, his Muppet Ghoulies, all these goblins. And he says to the baby partway through the song, he says, just nine hours and 23 minutes left. And yeah, so like it's be been a while. Mine. So yeah, she's fucking already killed three and a half hours just trying to get through the very basic part of the lab. Yeah, just wandering through. So things are taking a long time. Things are taking a long time. And so now we get him and we see kind of David Bowie like exerting his power over these, these goblins. He makes jokes that they don't laugh at. And he's like, well... it's good stuff there and here we get the bizarre reference to a gag i'm glad it's in here it's a great gag even in the original (laughs) to the bachelor and the bobby Soxer. yeah tell me about this so this is as far as i can understand it's a movie uh starring cary grant and shirley temple 1947 um and so the scene i watched Cary Grant rolls up to this joint. He's talking to this this kid. He's like, hey, what happened? Like, the girl threw you out? And he, the kid's like, no, the uncle didn't like me. He's like, what did you say that, that made the uncle not like you? He's, he's like, I just said mellow salutations. He said, like, mellow greetings or something like that. He's like, hey, mellow greetings, everyone. He's like, and he threw me out. He's like, sweet. So we find out Cary Grant is trying to not date this woman. For some reason, he's been set up to, like, take this woman out. He's trying to get the boot as quick as possible. So he comes in here to drop a little bit of nonsense on these folks while he's picking up the girl to go to a picnic, hoping to upset this this uncle who's a judge. And so he comes in, he's like, mellow greetings, my homies, or whatever. Nothing, no reaction. <laughs> and then he goes to the uncle, and he's like, you remind me of the man. What man? The man with the power. What power? It's, yeah, it's, uh, you remind me of the man. Power of voodoo. Who do you do? Do what? Remind me of the man. What man? The man with the power. So it, it's circular instead of just having one rotation. Right. He's just trying to confuse or annoy them. Yeah, exactly. And then he like does it for a bit, and they're like, like the the guys fucked off with it, but he's just kind of they're like, okay, we gotta go to this picnic. And as the old guys walk, there's like two old guys, and the one old guy who's getting fucked off by the bit is like. You remind me of the man. And then the other guy does a line out of order and he like gets fucked off because he's like, I was trying to get you with that. <laughs> it's so it's pretty charming. But yeah, he takes this randomly and turns it into you remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? Power of voodoo. Who do? You do. Do what? Remind me of the babe. Remind me of the babe. And whips a fucking Muppet into the air. Yep. And sometimes a baby, but just a doll. Yeah. I do I love, love the transition. Like camera pulls out. He's suddenly holding a doll and just starts throwing it up higher. Yeah. Just starts whipping <laughs> That's it around. That's the very end. And then, like, IMDb is like, technical goofs. You can tell that's a doll. I'm like, do you want it to be a baby? Yeah. <laughs> is that a goof? I don't know. Yeah, doesn't seem like. But, yeah, this is this is the song you knew before getting in. This is one of the things that was interesting to me on this watch, having been more custom, I think, to the soundtrack now than to the actual film, mm-hmm. is just the mixing of vocals. They're much more prominent in the film than in the, than the soundtrack. Album. Yeah. Interesting. I guess it makes sense, especially like in a theater or whatever. Yeah, and there are different uh, Muppet vocal tracks, I believe, because you get a different set of Muppets doing the like, watch! It's like cut up differently, but yeah, it's Mm -hmm. a little different. And then there's some dialogue in the movie and stuff. Yeah. A goblin baby. (laughs) Goblin baby. And we do get extended cuts because now we get to see a bit of, so there's like extended musical sections, instrumental sections, 
while we see Sarah navigating and kind of the labyrinth playing against her. She's got her lipstick and she's marking the arrows of which yep. direction she yep. went. And then, is this a monkey? Is it a Muppet? What comes out of this hole, Alex? He's just like a person in like a vague, maybe monkey costume. I'm supposed to be kind the of... The person is so small, though, Alex. I know, but it's, it's camera trick. That's, oh, my God. I'm, being, <laughs> I'm getting tricked. And he's just like... <laughs> like, yeah, why are you marking up my, my tiles? Yeah, and then your mother is a frag and aardvark. Yep. Yeah. Oh, he actually <laughs> says words, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she keeps going like this, and then, you know, you see her, she's marking these tiles. She's going along. They keep getting rearranged or erased or whatever. And then eventually she marks one, walks away, she, it gets She moved. catches it. And then mm. it turns around and she's like, well, fuck. Yeah, she realizes she's been f- fucked by the yep. labyrinth. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, David Bowie and the boys are just, just having a blast, throwing yep. babies around. Throw babies. Um, great song. Great, great little music video. He's kicking Muppets around. <laughs> That's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, so this is when she comes to the door, right? With the guards? Yes, this is the classic, the classic riddle. Um, it is a great scene. I think it's because it, it's, it's just goofy and and also like it's a pretty good riddle. Like it's not bad. Yeah, it's fun, it's... right? Like uh, it was the one I mentioned earlier. It was mm-hmm. I thought about it for years. Um, the solution makes sense, right? Just because yes. of she just may have like interpreted it slightly wrong. Because like, but I don't remember if she did or not. But basically. Yeah, she comes to the doors. There's there's two guards. Uh, one always tells the truth. One always lies. Yeah. You can ask Each one of these question. These guys are a pair of dudes, though. So there's two doors. True. Two shields and a top and a bottom on each. Yeah. And the bottom guys are just there. They're, They're not, like, like explaining really things. Yeah. And they can like yeah. answer questions, right? She's like, "Wait, does it work?" And then they like confer behind the shields, and they're yeah. like, "Yeah, it's totally. funny." Because yeah, it turns out that even the guards don't really fucking know the riddle. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, wait, does that work? And he's like, I don't know. I never fucking understood this thing. But I mean, the basic idea behind it is you ask one what the other one will say. And mm-hmm. by virtue of passing it through both of them, you can predict the outcome. It doesn't because it, it doesn't matter which one it goes through first. Right. Yeah. So that's how you determine the actual answer to the question. Yeah, because if it's the liar and he's going to tell you what the truth sayer is going to... Yeah, it's like... And that's, I think, part of what makes the like confusion of this scene work, because her logic is all sound, but she whips through it so quick that you don't really have enough time. Like, the audience doesn't have time to be like, wait, hang on, let me follow and see if I'm on... That is right. And then the guards are confused, too, and so she's like, boom, it's this door. See you, fellas. And they're like, is it? Huh. They're like, yeah, I don't, I don't fucking know. But, but she's getting some bit. confidence at this point, even though she mm-hmm. was just, her, her navigation thing didn't work out because the tiles moved. Uh, and then she immediately falls in a hole. Yes. And, and, and there's a bunch of hands on the walls. This. She falls wow. by these hands and they start talking fucking to her hands. by making faces with the hands and like mouths and moving the fingers and stuff. It's so great. So there's a lot yeah. of hands in here. There's about, uh, fuck, I had it. There's like 150, there's like 75 volunteers, I think it is. So wow. 150 real hands. And then about, I think it said like 50 or something, like foam hands just to fill out space. In this yeah, time. that makes sense. <laughs> I would have expected more foam hands. Yeah, it might even be more than that. But so you got all these fucking hands in here. And yeah, they build faces out of like 
three sets of hands. So you got two making like a mouth and then two making eyes and like some fucking ears and shit. Yeah. And they do so many different styles of face. Of face, yeah. And then with like the mouth moving as as voices are speaking. So it's, it's mm-hmm. cool. It's very cool. It's scary too because everything's dark. She just fell. Yeah. She's being held like, by a thousand hands. A thousand hands. It's a very compromising position. They're like, which way do you want to go? We don't have all day. It's fuck else you doing hands hmm. you mean you don't have all day who else are you expecting <laughs> to show up in the hole and then she ends up saying she wants to go down is that true yeah she, she goes, goes down. down which seems like a bad choice she's like i'm already facing that way let's, let's keep take going me down um and she ends up in an oubliette, oubliette. yeah which gets established because we jump back to jareth for a bit She's mm-hmm. in an oubliette. Um, she shouldn't have even made it that far. Yes, which is a concern to him, but also the oubliette is, you know, it's a prison, basically. Yes. She can't get out of it, theoretically. Um, yeah, but... and it's, you go to the start of the labyrinth, because much like that actual steel ball labyrinth game, that's what happens if you fall down one of those holes. Oh, that's right. It brings you all the way back to the start. Yeah, so he sends Hoggle down there to fucking send her to the back. He's like, as soon as she gets to the start, she's gonna give up, because it already took her fucking four hours to get here. Yeah. And she's so stuck, Hoggle shows up. Stuck in yeah, the she's... oubliette, Hoggle shows up. He's gonna take her back, but she mm. offers him some... Wait, is this when she offers him jewelry, or is Plastic. that earlier? Yes. No, this is the where she she's like, I, can you help me like as far as you can take me? Because he's like, oh, you should have known you couldn't take on the labyrinth. She's like, do you know the way? He's like, I'm not telling you. Yeah. And then I'm just kind of thrilled that like Hoggle is apparently very easy to do as a voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm leaning on it a bit, but <laughs> yeah, she it's it's funny though because she shows him the jewelry. You know, it looks like well enough. It's obviously she doesn't have fucking riches, but he's like, yeah, it's like costume jewelry, of? but he's yeah. into baubles and such. Yeah, and she's like, it's plastic, and he like like fucking looks at it and like sniffs it, and he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he really likes plastic, so it fucking works. Mm-hmm. Um, so he decides he's gonna actually help her. Yes. Um. Let's see if I remember the order of things. Is there a ladder first thing, or is the door? He first he opens the door. door. So he has like a a plank, good little plank door gag. It is good little gag. He like he he picks a plank up off the floor, sticks it to the wall, opens it like a door, and it is a door, but it's like a closet. And he's like, ah, I always get that wrong. And then opens it from the other side, like like you know the door's against the wall. He pulled the left side open. Now he closes it again. Pulls the right side open, and now it's the actual the right door. <laughs> yeah, you can see light, and it's there. They go through there, and then there's all these big stone heads that are like, "Turn back! You fucked it right up." Yeah, there's, there's no, no way. Good. There's no way. And the hogs like ignore them. They're they're false alarms. They're like, "No, we're not." <laughs> yeah. And then, and they keep like saying stuff. He's like, "That's enough." And they're like, "Oh, just doing our jobs." Yeah, yeah. One guy's like, "We're just doing our jobs." And the other guy's like, "Please let me finish. <laughs> it's been so long." And they're like, "All right, fine. Do the whole fucking thing." <laughs> he does a big one. It's great. Yep. Good gag. Um. Um. We enter the hedge garden. Like this sort of like it's it's kind of like the labyrinth she was in before. There's a lot of hedges. It's. I feel like there's kind of like a proto like a vaporwave style to this. That's like all these like, interesting and and it just. I feels feel like, like vaporwave maybe computers. just like grew out of those sort of effects. Yeah, I guess. At what point does Jareth 
appear again. That's is that after he that? does appear. Oh, did we skip right over that? You're right. Because Jareth comes That's... back and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing? You're supposed to lead her we, back to the start." Yeah, he's in this big fucking disguise. He looks right. like he's pretending to be a muppet. We get a reverse shot of one of these crystal balls, the like one of the ones he was showing uh, Sarah earlier. Yeah. And they're really important to this film as well. Owls are important. Crystal balls are important. Mm -hmm. At least they're glass balls. But yeah, it, we get a reverse shot of it rolling up into his cup. And oh, that's he, right. He throws off his disguise and he's like, what's going on here? And Hawk is like, oh, nothing. And he's like, nothing. He's like, I was totally nothing. leading her back to the start. I'm just tricking her. And she's like, wait. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, she's like, what are you fucking me? All right. Because she's like, Hawk, can I trust you? But we get this great line read from David Bowie where he's like, nothing. Nothing, nothing, tra la la. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why do we have to throw that? It just seems bizarre, but he says it. It's great. He's mean. He's mad. Uh, yeah, Hoggle fucking lies to him. He's, he's lying to Jennifer. He's lying to fucking everybody. Hoggle has no master. Yep. Hoggle bites the hand that feeds him. Yep. But yeah, he's. Oh, and this is where the cleaners show up, too. Yes, the cleaner. It's just a. A drill, basically. Like, they're in a narrow corridor, and they have to run away from a drill. Yeah, because he asks he asks her, he's like, how are you liking my labyrinth so far? She's like, it's super fucking easy. It's easy as shit. He's like, oh, maybe you like this, then. <laughs> Pulls out a big drill that is, of course, m like, Muppet-operated, as we find out after yep. they dodge it in this narrow tunnel. Um, yeah, you see also, the back of his Muppet's driving it. This is the the delivery of another life lesson where he oh because he's like oh you think it's easy and he like just takes some time off of her total he's like well now you got to be here and you got to be done in like three hours or whatever yeah and she's like that's not fair he's like you say that so much I wonder what your basis for comparison is <laughs> that's right that's where that line comes in and so that's a that's a a line there like life's not fair which she then learns after they get through this debacle with the cleaners. Because they pull up into the hedge. Uh, yep. She's like, Hoggle, you're my bud. You're my friend. He's like, Hoggle's never had a friend. She's like, you got a friend of me, brother. And then they hear a big loud noise. And Hoggle's like, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Runs away again. And this is the introduction of Ludo, I believe. Yes. But before he leaves, right, this is what, sorry, I, I get things a little mixed up. She, she takes his fucking bag uh, of goodies. Of goodies. And then they also see the guy with the bird hat. That's right. Operated by Frank Oz. So yeah. yeah, she takes his bag of goodies. So the lesson she learns from David Bowie telling her that life's not fair is that she can strong arm Hoggle into helping her. Yep. By stealing his shit and be like, if you want it back, you gotta come help me. And holding like, it for ransom. Is that a good life lesson? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it works. But she does it later works. give it back. So I feel like yeah, so she's like, learning maybe the wrong lesson at this point. And you kind of, yeah, you, you gotta like, you gotta fuck up sometimes to get to what's real. Yeah. But yeah, they, they meet the old, the old guy, and this is mostly just a fucking gag. Or it's like, they're, it's, it's yeah. Banjo-Kazooie before Banjo-Kazooie, there's yeah. a bird yeah. on this dude, and the bird's very lively, the dude's pretty sleepy, and he says some shit like, sometimes going forward is going backwards. And then the bird's like, that was some great advice, tip us in our little tip jar. And she does. She's she's gonna give him Hoggle shit first. Hoggle's like, Are you fucking kidding me? That's my stuff. She's like, All right, I'll give me uh, this ring. So she's learning in a very I guess the purpose of this scene is in a very real sense letting go of some of her old physical possessions. Mm-hmm. Which will come up later. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So then, then yeah, she's going through this maze. 
Mm-hmm. And Ludo happens. We got these goblins with little fucking guys on their sticks. Their yeah. weapons are littler dudes who bite. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And they've got Ludo strung up. Yeah. And we get a little taste of Ludo's never explained, never needs to be explained power. Well, it's actually explained. Rocks are friends. Yeah, rocks are friends. It's simple. It's very simple. So Ludo like screams and like rocks. Some small pebbles start rolling up and Sarah uses them to throw at these guys who then like their their helmets spin and they start accidentally biting each other with their little bitey sticks. <laughs> and that works. It works. And she's able to free Ludo. The large yeah, yeti guy. The large yeti kind of wears the wild thing where where the wild things are kind of looking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And now they're friends. They're friends. Meanwhile, Ho- Hoggle's fucked off, and he's she, he's like, she'll never get through the labyrinth. He's pissed. I thought that was a great diss. Yeah, I think if you if you want to you want to throw somebody, he's like, hey man, you'll never get through the fucking labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you'll ever get through the labyrinth. That guy'll never get through the labyrinth. Let me tell you, <laughs> who who Dave in accounting? He'll never get through the labyrinth. Never get through the labyrinth. Uh, and uh, so this is where they get to the other doors with the with the knockers. Yes, because that's that's yeah. Sarah and uh, and Ludo go to the door. Hoggle, meanwhile, gets caught up by uh, by David Bowie. Right, he gives him and the like cursed peach. Yeah, we see the cool um, three separate rocks that, when looked at from the right angle, are David Bowie's face. Yep, uh, hilarious that they made that as a prop. I wonder <laughs> if David Bowie asked for it personally or what. I hope there's one in his his estate has one at least. God, I should hope so. It's a cool visual effect. Yeah, he he calls him the wrong name. He gives him the peach, and then he's he tells him an important thing. I was I was surprised it came up. Sweet, he's threatened him with the bog of eternal stench a couple times here. Yeah, a place we know exists. And then he's like, "If she kisses you, I'll turn you into a prince." He's, Why would you really, the prince of eternal stench? <laughs> he has a good laugh at that. Yep. What do you think Bowie's favorite joke in this movie was? He was looking for humor. What do you think sold him, Alex? What sold him on this? <laughs> Just the fact that he gets to be an unhinged goofball? Maybe. That might be it. <laughs> Or like was he just like, there's a whole bog of farts. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, he's like, fart joke's perfect. That's exactly like, what I need. Bro, I'm fucking in on this. <laughs> so yeah, we get the two knockers. They're fun. Yeah. They're, I mean, it's, it's a, it's, they're like gargoyle faces with rings that are door knockers. And yeah. one of them has it, like the knockers are attached to the ears and the other one it's in the mouth. So like one can't speak and one can't hear. Yeah, and so they she pulls the one out of the guy who has it in his mouth, talks to him, she's like, well, how do I get through these doors? You gotta knock. And she's like, okay, take your ring back. He's like, I'm not gonna do it. And then we find out something very interesting about these doors, because she she shuts off his nasal passage. Yep. Which means like, he has lungs. Yeah, the doors are breathing. <laughs> the doors are breathing. <laughs> the magic gargoyle door knockers are breathing, so she has to open his mouth to breathe, and she's able to yeah, stick the knocker back in at that point. Knock yeah. and go through without really considering which door to go through. <laughs> yeah, it was like, why not do the guy who who is just like who's deaf? Like, there was yeah, not much consideration towards getting that. Ludo puts the knocker in his mouth for a bit. It's a pretty good gag. Yeah, <laughs> he's trying to be. He's just trying to be part of the culture, you know. He's, <laughs> he's got these in. And it's, I'll do it too. 
Uh, this is when we lead into the fire gang, right? Ludo fucking drops down a hole for no reason. Yeah, we're like in a forest now. And we get this whole <laughs> sequence with the fire gang, which doesn't look as good as the rest of the movie. It's like, that's even a note that comes up in like Wikipedia. Like, it's like, apparently this was all filmed in like a black set was part of the problem. Okay. And and then because it's like, clearly like there's some very like, clearly CGI. i would say green screening but maybe it was mm-hmm. black screening or something yeah it's kind of like i think they kind of doctored it afterwards to be yeah. like well we need to get this in there and jim henson even thought it looked like shit and it kind of does but he kept it in because of the the display of puppetry he's like the puppetry going on here is like too like good <laughs> to to not be in there and i, I like i was watching it and i was like okay yeah kind of there's a moment where they shit they using the puppets make a different shaped animals yeah they turn into like a and then I, that's when i was like oh, okay yeah jim's right this is fucking crazy Just gotta go in yeah i mean it's impressive and like they are kind they're impressive because they're like made of like three separate pieces sometimes they're throwing them off they're flinging them around yeah they're like pulling off body parts right that's what they're doing constantly yeah that's their con- so they start out they seem like kind of friendly guys you got one jamaican voiced guy who's maybe a bit passe the rest of the crew is they're all right and they they sing what, what may arguably be the greatest song in the movie chili down chili down it's very i've heard it compared to absolute beginners oh another david bowie song and there are some similarities is it in that like piano that just like just the one riff yeah yeah okay i can see that because he kind of reused this <laughs> later on kind of yeah 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 um but yeah they sing this song which is just about hanging out with these guys who don't have real estate or gold mines or jewelry um they're the chilliest guys in the land and it's not this is one of the rare david bowie tracks that isn't david bowie singing true you've got kevin clash who you might know as the i think his name's kevin clash i keep on like saying his name i might have called him kevin nash earlier (laughs) that's kevin clash he's the elmo puppeteer and he is one of the voices here as well and one of the puppets here as well and I think he is one of the puppets who's like, why you got a head like that, lady? Like, where'd you get a head like that? Yeah. Because they, so they start out weirdos. nice, and then they try to tear her fucking skull off. Yeah, they're like, we're going to take your head off now. And she's like, what if I take your head off first? And then that kind of ends the song, right? She's throwing their heads around, and they're like, you can't take other people's heads. And it's like, weren't you just going to do that? Yeah, they're like, you can't. Here's the interesting thing to say. You can't throw other people's heads. That's oh. the rule, they say. Yeah. And so I went back, and I watched. I was like, wait, surely, surely one of these guys throws the other guy's heads. And they, they do, but it's only after the first guy has tossed the head. So once the head is off the body and in you the air, do whatever it's, you want it's, with it's it. fair play. But you don't toss but other people's heads. No, she was yanking them and tossing them left okay. and right. And fair that's, enough. That's party foul with the fire gang, Alex. Yeah, apparently. If you're going to fucking chili down, so are these guys a metaphor for like drugs? Or <laughs> <laughs> How do you chili down? Yeah. I, don't, like, I have no idea what the point of this segment is at <laughs> all. Besides being what I think has some good puppetry. Impressive in it. puppetry, that's for sure. Definitely brought down by the green screen, though. I think we could agree there. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look great. But she runs away and... Hoggle saves her. Hoggle saves her. Yeah, you're right. Hoggle's then, back, baby. But they end up falling to the bog of eternal stench, right? Because she kisses him, like, right because away. she kisses him, yes. And he gets made prince... Of Eternal Stench. Of Eternal Stench. The Prince of Stench. Which, I don't know if we explain this, if you if you touch the Bog of Eternal Stench or you fall in the Bog you of Eternal Stench, you, can't you wash will it off. smell forever. Uh, it'll yeah. never wash off. 
will never wash off. So they get sent down there. They, and they're kind of sidling along like a cliff face. Yeah. Because they fell, but they were able to grab onto some foliage or whatever. Yeah, they grab something, lift themselves up, sidle, and they reunite with Ludo. Yep, who's also down there just kind of like... Oh, it, this is great because he's got one line here. Loves to say it. Smell! Smell! Yeah. That's Ludo. Yeah, that's classic Ludo. Um, and they encounter a bridge here. They're finding their way out. They encounter a bridge. Who should appear but some little, like, some kind of, like, proto-Sly Cooper here. It's yeah. so Didymus. <laughs> little, like, mustachioed dog thing. Yeah. Who's, like, like you dog. can't, who says you can't cross the bridge. That's the rules. And, and he's, like, kind of fencing them. Yeah, he beats the shit out of Hawk because Hawk is like, yeah. I don't have time for this. And he just fucking knocks him around. <laughs> And then but Hoggle does fighting. manage to cross the bridge. Yeah, because like, Didymus starts fighting Ludo. Yep. And then, while wow, they're distracted, Hoggle's like, see ya, and <laughs> gets out of there. And so Ludo and Didymus go back and forth a bit. It's It really, it, like, Didymus is going to win, because Ludo moves too fucking slow. Yeah. But I guess he just gets, like, tired, and he's just like, I've never met anyone who can match me in combat. <laughs> right. He, like, kind of grabs him and... Yep, says they're matched, and he's like, "I respect you, but I still can't let you cross." That's this is yeah another good like nobody fucking knows what their job is or how to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they're so, like, "Wait, what's what's the rule?" Yeah, and he says, "Nobody can cross yeah. without my permission." And they're like, "Can we have your permission?" And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> he like thinks about it, he's like, "Yeah." And then he pulls out a dog, his Mount Ambrosius. Ambrosius. Um, perhaps the most egregious in terms of like visual transforming from a real dog, who of course looks like the dog that <laughs> that Sarah owns in real life, to Into just like a, the the puppetiest yeah. puppet, <laughs> like shag carpet with yeah. eyes. Ki- with, sometimes, yeah, like robotic moving eyebrows. Yeah, <laughs> very funny. So, like the I love it. Like the dog will run behind a rock, and then like puppet head sticks. Out <laughs> yeah, to like look cool. back, and he's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah it's a pretty good dynamic like didymus is this like like he thinks he's hot shit he's excessively brave he's always down to fight and highly ineffectual and then his dog is like an outright coward so he like rides this is he like a don battle. quixote reference or something like that maybe like, i don't really know don quixote that well i, I didn't see him fight any windmills in this mm, like, true uh, goblins yeah, goblins. And he does fight stuff successfully, so I don't know. Yes. Um, First thing he does as their new allies fucking bust the bridge up. Yeah, they bust <laughs> the bridge up, but then um, Sarah is hanging from like some trees, and then Ludo is able to call the rocks and create a new bridge. Yeah. This is when we find out rocks are friends, and then we get just a great gag of every time you step on a rock, fart noise. Fart noise, yeah, it's great. And then especially like when they're running across, it's like <laughs> extended fart noise section. Very good. Yeah, because you get different characters at different paces. It's, you get every range of farts on this. Wonderful, wonderful bit. So boom, the whole gang's together. We finally got our final fantasy party here. We're Almost. Really Hoggle's going. still not joined. Like he's he's not with the party right now. Right. Well, they catch up to him, right? Yeah. They get to the door. Mm-hmm. And now they have to fight a giant robot that comes out of the door. Well, hold up, Alex. You've missed all of As the World Falls Down here. Oh, I have. 
So because you're right, Hoggle it. leaves a g- he leaves so fucking much in this. Yeah, so Hoggle's but he's here. he's fucking gone. He's and, back. Nah, he's left. <laughs> he's oh, when does he give her the peach? So basically, in between these two moments we talked about, they catch up to okay. him. They do catch and, up to him. Oh yeah, and somebody mentions food. I think yeah, she, like, she says she's hungry or something. She's like, yeah, I could eat. And then Hoggle pulls out this peach, and he's like, oh, yeah, take this maybe. And then right, she and eats then it. she says like, thank you. She eats it, and he like gets embarrassed and runs away. She says, Hoggle, what have you done? Like she immediately right. knows she's been drugged. He's like, damn you, Jareth, and damn me too. <laughs> like it runs off. Yeah, and then she says. <laughs> What is I a really good line that you can very easily miss? She says everything is dancing before she like fucking passes out and goes on this fucking psychedelic trip to a masquerade ball, which is a great line for being drugged and things are spinning. And also, she's going to a masquerade ball in yep. her brain space. So like, <laughs> yep, goes to a dance. Whammy. We see Bowie, a fucking Jareth, blowing these glass balls out of his tower window and kind of sending them to. Uh, Sarah, and that's how he like creates or brings her into this uh, this masquerade ball space. Mm-hmm. Boom! As the world fall down, fall down starts. We should. I forget. I think we forgot to mention the music box, which not only serves as the musical cue for this. You hear it earlier in the film, but it has the outfit that Sarah is wearing in this scene. So that's another piece of the movie that oh. was already exposed to us much earlier. So the masquerade ball, cool because we get a lot of like kind of goblin-esque masks, but everyone here is human, whereas most of this film is everyone is Muppets. Yes, yeah, so it's like the cre- like you said before, it's like the creepiest part of the movie. Yeah. But there's no Muppets, which is weird. Yeah, and I guess there's something to it because like everyone is adults at this ball except mm-hmm. for Sarah, so there's like a little freakiness there. Yeah, and she's got this huge ball gown on and David Bowie's there. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get an introduction to the idea that, like, oh, he actually loves her. Yeah, we get this really intense, like, love feeling. There's this kind of, like, cat and mouse. He's, like, always hiding in the scenery. Eventually, they come together to dance. And, of course, this love ballad's playing in his back. We talked about As the World Falls Down last week. And it really suits this scene very well in terms of dreaminess, loviness. It, like, it fucking punches everything to 11 there. As she's, like, going through this very, like, dreamy sequence, mm-hmm. kind of soft focus, lots of, like, yeah. lens flare and stuff. Yeah, and like you talked about last week, that, like, diffuse yeah, lighting. Diffuse lighting like feeling. Right here. Um, And then sort of, like, gets over. They dance. They dance, and she gets, like, surrounded by everyone. Yeah. And that's where things, like, start to, to like, click for her that this isn't where she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a, again, like a dream thing, like everybody turning their heads to look at you simultaneously or something. You're like, this is not how reality is supposed to function. <laughs> I get the fuck out of here. And eventually she breaks out. Yeah. She like tosses a chair at the. Oh yeah. At, Cause there, she comes up to like a projection of herself in the, in the masquerade ball zone while she's in there. And then she grabs it, tosses it. It's a moment that looks like it was made for a 3D version of the movie because, like, the glass yeah, shoots the glass out of the fucking there. screen, yeah. And she falls. As the world falls down, she falls down into a junkyard. Yes, junkyard that has a bunch of stuff. And she talks to this old, like, kind of hunched lady with a big bag yeah. who's, like, giving her all of her old stuff. Yeah, she's, she's like, oh, like, you need this. 
stacked with things all over her. Yeah. She's, she looks like she's from Death Stranding. <laughs> all that all that shit packed up there. She's got all that stuff on her. And she's like, because what we learn later, because Dave Bowie like says it to Hoggle, he's like the, the, the peach of forgetting or something. The peach makes her forget. So she shows up. She's like, I don't know what I was doing. I was looking for something. And the old lady gives her Lancelot. She's like, there's your Lancelot. Have a good time now. Yeah, that's what you're looking for. She's like, oh, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Ushers her into this, like, recreation of her bedroom. And Yeah, just, which is, like, sort of underneath junk, but it's... Underneath it's junk. And you can see in the other, like, not in the mainframe, but you can see all these other, like, junk hoarders wandering around the junkscape. Yeah. So it's like this is a whole society of little junk freaks, and this this yeah, junk particular freaks. junk freak has has got Sarah to come into this fucking bizarre recreation of her bedroom, and she starts loading up. She's like, "Oh, well, here's your," just like and it's just like some shit from when she was like a baby up to like present day. She's like, "Here's your printing game. You love that. You want to keep that?" And she starts loading it on top of her. It's freaky. Yeah, a lot of stuff. And she, like, goes, yeah, she goes into her room. She, like, lies on the bed. The intention of, like, oh, that was a tough day. I don't remember, right. though. That's right. She's like, oh, that's crazy. Um, and then she's like, I should see if Dad's home. And then she opens it up, and it's still the junkyard outside. Yeah. And the lady's like, no need to go out there. Come on, dearie. Look, it's yeah. your bunny. You love so- your bunny. <laughs> Just her bunny, yeah. So she's not quite back home yet. And then she realizes that she has she's under this spell kind of yeah she kind of slowly pieces it together because she's eventually she's like all this stuff is junk and the 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 lady's like what about this cool music box that's not junk that's not junk and then maybe it must be that that triggers her into remembering the fucking masquerade ball that just happened something like that because then she's like no this is junk too she fucking whips that and gets out of there the 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 walls start collapsing on this fake room. And I think I like looked away from the screen for a second. This is where like Didymus and Ludo find her. And they're like, Hey, yeah, they like say her name and she like busts through the wall and they like dig her out basically. Yeah. And then she's with them and they're like, we're together again. Awesome. Awesome. Let's get to Goblin City. Let's get they to get Goblin to City. And fucking Didymus is ready for a fight. There's a always. sleeping guard on duty and he's fucking screaming. He's always he's like, ready for a fight. There. Let's tear him up. I'll take on anyone. I'm no coward. And she's like, okay, maybe just be quiet though and we'll see how far we can get. Yep. The answer, not very far. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> because another gate closes. Yep. And there's an automaton. Not really. It's like a mech suit. They, they've built an Eva. Yeah, they've built an Eva, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, a, like a mechanical robot but it mostly just yeah. swings its arms around and they're like just dodging these very slow swings its arms around and has an axe. axe yeah it has an axe <laughs> so it's like swinging this axe but it's very slow and it's mm-hmm. they're doing okay but but ambrosius is very scared um right. so trying to fight back against this thing they're not having good luck it's too big and then hoggle comes back but he's on top of the wall yeah and he's able to jump onto the automaton and disable it and then theoretically take it over <laughs> Yeah, theoretically Except take it over. Yeah, it uh, doesn't know how to do it properly and ends up overheating it or something and it like explodes and he has to jump Yeah, he off. like he gets the axe stuck in the top there and yeah. then, like he's like you get to see the the interface, it's all these fucking steam knobs and whistles. He's like, Where's reverse? And he it's like, wait, 
what kind of vehicle does Hoggle know how to drive that he knows about like reverse yeah. as a function? <laughs> but yeah, he busts it up, which like good enough. And they get into Goblin Town proper. And boom, bunch of goblins show up. We got a big old, we got a big old fight scene here. It goes on for yes, a fair bit because there's a whole bunch of goblins, uh, including some of the ones we saw before. I think with the nibbler sticks. They yeah, we got here? some nibbler sticks. I we definitely got the armor that they have. I'm not yeah. sure if they're still using. They might not have the nibbler here. sticks. Similar armor. Uh, the ones riding those things. Um, there are like cannons that shoot spiked cannonballs that are actually just more goblins actually little guys yeah that rules uh, and then there's one point where like they block off the end with a rock of a cannon and then yeah. like it fires and then it's just like a little guy who's a cannonball comes out and he's like oh yeah so everybody <laughs> kind of tries to do their thing here didymus like jousts one dude and wins and then but they're getting overwhelmed so they find a house to hide in ambrosius the dog has already fucking ran away and and didymus is trying to get the dog out of a house too at this point but yeah so he's like at the door like open the door open the door and he's getting surrounded yeah turns around he's like oh he's probably just better surrender now yeah he's like well like six guys i accept your surrender (laughs) put your weapons down (laughs) you're like this dude's oh sorry you're cutting out oh shit i just said he that's where he, he accepts their surrender can you hear me alex Technical difficulties. Can Please stand me? by. Major Alex. Alex. It's, hey, folks. We just uh, had some technical difficulties here. Alex uh, got cut My off from the internet. internet is lost. He, he forgot to pay his bills. <laughs> Fucking Alex. We're just talking uh, about Sir Didymus trying to get his dog back and then accepting the, the willful surrender of these goblins who are about to fuck his shit up. That's right. That's right. Um, everyone. There's also a good gag. They're all running into buildings and like everyone... Uh, all the small people, all or the size people, small, small people. people. Um, so like Sir Didymus is off on his own, but then um, like Sarah and Hoggle and Ludo are running, and they go into a house, and Sarah and Ludo run into the door, and they're like, "How is Ludo gonna fit in here?" And he just like grabs the wall, opens the whole wall, and then yeah. like, pulls it shut when he gets inside, like, like it's on a hinge. It's so great, yeah. <laughs> and then climbs up to the top of the like tower. Um, everyone in the bottom floor is like hitting goblins at windows and stuff, and he starts shouting as he does and summoning the rocks. Uh, yeah, Deus Ex kind of the... rocking, uh, am I right? Oh, <laughs> and it, it rocks. It rocks. It's, yeah, you get a lot of like, like bowling over goblins. Um, a, a rock rolls up into a cannon. The cannon fires and then it explodes. You see one of the little cannonball dudes walking around in a circle. And the big, d- 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 <laughs> dumb, slow guy being like, oh, I just fired you. Yep. Um, and they, some crazy armor here. Some dudes have, like, gun armor where their whole suit is just full of little cannons that fire off. Um, and then they get smushed by rocks. So they just eviscerate this town with a bunch of rolling boulders. Which, like, I guess fair solution. How How, like... How heavy-handed do we want to see Sarah get with these goblins? They're all kind of still lovable, right? <laughs> yeah, right? They're, they're puppets, you know? Yeah. Um, so they run... The the boulders do funny things and crush goblins sometimes and, and prevent stuff and run them over and everyone's running around. It's chaos. The Clear yes. the way. All the goblins run away and Sir Didymus is like, yes, you did 
surrender to me because I'm very strong. Yeah, he's, he's um, completely delusional. Yep. Um, they uh, get to the base of the tower, and then yep. she's like, she's like, fellas, I gotta do this one alone. And they're like, okay, but if you ever need us, if you ever need us, we're right here. Yeah. And we're, we're like, okay, that's very sweet. It's also her symbolically like growing up and, and you know, putting these childish things behind her in a sense. We're like, okay, good big yeah. moment for her. Facing her problems on her mm-hmm. own. It's very sweet. Everybody's grown to love each other, even even Hoggle, who has betrayed the team like a hundred times throughout the course of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> she goes she up there. Forgives him. Yeah. There's a whole bit where where he's like, I don't care if you forgive me. And she's like, Well, I do. And he's like, Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's right. Right after he fucking busts up the big mech, she's like, I do forgive yep. you, but you have to get back in the Eva. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, they're all, yeah, they're all tied up here. Everybody's good. And so she's able to, to handle this next burden on her own. Boom. Yeah. It's the it's the final hour here. We got minutes on the clock. Bowie's here. He's like, just just give in. Just surrender to me. He's like, I did all of this shit for you. I warped time. I stole your yeah. baby brother. I what did more do this you want from for me? you. What more do you want from me? She's like, well, I'd like my baby brother back. He's like, okay, but like anything else. <laughs> <laughs> like anything other than that? Uh, they're also in this, you know, Escher painting. Yeah, very cool set. Yeah, cool, because like David Bowie's walking on the walls and the ceiling, and there's bits where yeah. he like flips his gravity around as he walks through the thing. And yeah, she's trying to get to, to Toby, who's there as well. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to remember these lines again, like from the start of the movie. She's like, oh, my kingdom yep. is great. Uh, my will is equal to yours. And he's all like, just do that. I do this. Just I, All I ask is that you do what I tell you to do and, and some other thing and I'll be your slave. Yeah, I'll be your slave if you always listen to me. <laughs> always listen to me. And it's like, okay. Do what I, I tell you to. I'm like, hmm. And then she realizes it after this rip and song goes on. It's a very cool, dramatic piece. Yep. Um, or he's like, he's like, your eyes are cruel just as I can be cruel. And you're like, whoa, realize, 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 David Bowie, what's going on? Oh, man. How long Pretty did you sit on that one? <laughs> on that one there. Just as I can be so cruel. It's big, it's dramatic, it rips. She's trying to jump through the space and like get the baby and Toby's jumping through space and crawling upside down. It's. Yeah, the, the um, one of the crystal balls like bounces up stairs. Yeah, some good reverse shots. Um, cool stuff. Uh, yeah, and then eventually the whole world falls apart. Yeah, because she remembers the line, you have no power over me. Boom, everything fucking yeah. falls apart. Bowie's a fucking bird now. He's an owl. The world falls down, as you said. She's for real back home. She goes and checks on Toby. She's like, I better make sure Toby's actually here this time and it's not some weird junk lady. <laughs> and sure enough, Toby's back. She... Toby's back. She gives him Lancelot as a gesture of her growth. She's like, I want you to have this now. She goes back to her room. Um, and then she sees in the reflection in the mirror, as she's kind of like cleaning herself up, her, her fucking gang. It's her data miss and Hoggle being like, if you ever need us. We'll be right here. and then Right, she's, in the mirror. Yeah. And then she's like, I do need you. And they're like, what? And she's like, I don't know why, but every now and again in my life, for no reason at all, I need you. All of you. And then they're, they're like, like, oh, boom, turn around. It's party time. They're all just been in the room the whole time. Yeah, they're behind her, and they magic dance. Yeah, and they magic dance. They all celebrate. 
and they have a childish some of the times is this the ultimate thesis of this movie yeah so yeah it's a fun yeah it's fun ending uh you get to see because david bowie when he's defeated like turns back into the owl so now he's the owl and like flies out of the house yeah he he flies out he looks on at their party and then flies away yep and like that's the end that's the end dude it's the end of the movie um ripping good film i think like truly this is one that is just like it's so visually fun to watch that like come on anything else can be excused because you see amazing puppetry <laughs> yeah it's like i think it's a bit slow particularly in the yeah. first half uh it mm-hmm. takes a while to get going but like you know you're introducing the characters and they're all cool and obviously there's some stuff like the the fire gang where it's a bit more like about the the puppet spectacle than maybe plot although it's still you know another trial for her to get past and something yeah like a challenge for it does for veer into being like like too much like medieval comedy sketch show for some reason than like an actual movie because it's like and now here's our next guy an old man with a talking bird hat <laughs> yeah okay like, did we get much from that uh maybe a little bit with the ring thing but yeah like yeah maybe there's like yeah maybe little nuggets of why things should be here it's like do we need the second set of door guys we already had the first guys with the riddle what's What's the second right. set doing for there's us? There's two doors here. There's two doors here again. But the twist in this one is we don't care that there's two doors and treat <laughs> yeah, it as if like, there's one. Doesn't fucking we, matter. <laughs> we just built two puppets and they need to both be in the thing. And like even the crew she assembles kind of helps her. They kind of get thrown away a lot of the time. Like <laughs> Hoggle just constantly disappears. Ludo's gone for a long time a, in the middle. Like he gets introduced, does nothing, and then comes mm-hmm. back... <laughs> And he does things after that, but yeah. Yeah, it's like their biggest moment for, to do for a while. all of them is the Goblin City. But like, yeah, every character is like introduced, immediately fucks off, and then Sarah <laughs> has to deal with things on her own, and then they're back when the times are easy, and then Sarah has to deal with things on her own, and you're like, what the hell? Why do they even need these guys? Yeah, but I mean, I guess maybe that's part of the part of the lesson, you know? It's, uh... It's, um... Like, your friends are there for you, but, like, you still have to solve your problems on your own kind right, of thing. Right, there's still trials you have to solve on your own, like, yeah. getting roofied by your friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes that happens, and then you immediately Sometimes forget Sometimes that them. happens. Yeah, it's, uh, um, so, yeah, there's a bit of, like, the, yeah, the structure is strange. It also went through 25, at yeah, least. which the, is the crazy. At least 25 rewrites. It's 25 rewrites, which is, seems like so much. Um, a lot. Yeah, um, Hoggle has a pretty decent little arc there because he's kind of a coward and he's really only doing everything because he's scared and just doing what other people tell him to do. Yeah, and in terms of like actual characters, like the versus the rest of the the Sarah crew, like Sir Didymus is mostly comic relief. And yeah, Ludo Ludo is too dumb to have much of a character arc. Yeah, so there's not a whole lot there. He's already got friends in the rocks. He's more yeah. use he's useful, but. Yeah, I guess his thing yeah. is like making friends with a small furry thing. Yeah, I guess so. He's <laughs> like, like I guess. He fights well enough. Didymus is yeah. Yeah, like Could the other be, two, I their guess. kind of thing is like finding friendship or like finding compatriots, because like one was abandoned to be bitten on by little chewy guys, and the other one was just living in the bog of eternal stench and yeah. thankfully couldn't smell it. He's like, nah, it smells great here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, 
yeah, so it's it's really about Sarah. Yeah, um, and I so and you do get that odd, yeah, challenges. Yeah, these odd challenges, but yeah, there is a lot of just like how much of this is necessary, and then I guess the real thing is is like it's mostly visual spectacle and like some comedy bits, and that's what's necessary. Yeah, because it's quite entertaining, quite an entertaining movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, does Magic Dance do anything for the plot? No, it lets us know how much time's left. <laughs> that's, like, yeah. that's its big contribution. And that happens, like, before the song starts. Yeah, exactly. So you don't even need the song for that. Um, yeah, what a blast. Great film. Five stars. Uh, that's our opinion. So unless you've got anything else to say, Alex, about Labyrinth. It's a movie Labyrinth. Watch the movie Labyrinth. It's, it's worth a watch. Um... Yeah. It's a cool movie. Yeah. Cool movie. Great stuff. Um that does it. So, you know, if you if you got opinions you want to share with us about Labyrinth, your favorite Labyrinth song, um, Alex and I both agree Chili Down's the best song, but if you got a different opinion, hit us up with that. Uh you know, we're we're on the app formerly known as Twitter, hashtag cover me pod at Jake the Cressy, add some Alex Wise guys, send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. You can also email those to us at covermepod at gmail.com. Talk to us there. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on YouTube Music, we're on Amazon Podcasts, we're on Podgyrama, we're on Podcast Addict, we're on Spotify. Kinda. Possibly. I was Possibly. told we might not be. Yeah, I don't fucking know. Nobody ever knows. Spotify knows, but even they don't know. Hey, and be sure to tell your friends, family, neighbors, and loved ones about us. What you can do is um you can enter your, your friend's room and using kinda like kind of labyrinth slash usual suspect style, build a story for them using the elements in that room that will convince them to listen to cover me. Is that going to work? No, probably not. They're going to ask why you're in their room. They're going to ask why you just started fucking rattling off some story and why you're like looking around the room and sweating nervously as you tell the story. But it's worth a shot, folks. We got to get the people in somehow. So please try it out for us. But that does it for today's episode of Cover Me. And as we always say on Cover Me, I don't know why, but every now and again in my life, for no reason at all, I need Cover Me. All of Cover Me.